Welcome to Faith Westwood's online service, Holly Timberlake here. We are so glad that you chose to worship with us today. If you happen to be on Facebook, please interact in the comment sections. We'd love to hear any celebrations that you are having in your life. I don't know if you've noticed, but today is Vacation Bible School's first day. We'll be doing it a little bit differently this year. There'll be a drive-through, and we'll be collecting donations for the Faith Works Pantry. And each night we'll have a different theme. Tonight is Hat Night, so come and enjoy um, VBS this week, and we'll hear more details with, from Leah today. And by the way, speaking of Leah, gather up the kids because the children's time is going to be really good today. Today, we'll also be worshiping. Um, when you hear the music, we encourage you to sing along wherever you are, and Pastor Steve will be giving the message, if God is so powerful, why doesn't he fix everything?
singing, Let Us Break Bread Together. has been a pretty rocky year so far and I'm pretty sad that we aren't going to be able to gather all together at church and do VBS this year but I know that our Rocky Railway drive-through VBS with the FaithWorks Pantry donations event is going to be amazing because at the Rocky Railway Jesus power pulls us through so here is Pete and repeat to tell you a little bit more about it bye hey welcome Pete and Repeat here, we want to remind you that tonight is the first night for the VBS drop-off for the food pantry. That's right, from 4 to 7 today. Right. And tonight's theme is hats. Crazy hat day. So check them out. We have crazy hats on. We want everybody rolling on up here with the craziest hats you can find. Right. So today's pantry items are breakfast foods. We want all the breakfast foods we can get. Bacon, eggs, pancakes, no, no, French toast, no, no, waffles. No, we can't do any of that. That's what we like. Well, that's what we like, clearly. But no, we can't do that. We have to do like cereal, dry goods, oatmeal, canned food, uh, pancake mix. There you go. Right, that would work. We can't do bacon and eggs, even though we really like to. If you want to bring bacon and eggs just enough for us to eat, then we're totally okay with that. But we have to we have to provide for the pantry. So speaking of the pantry, we want to bring Pastor Steve in and kind of talk to us a little bit about his experiences with the pantry and what he's seen when things go on. Okay, um, you know, it was 
it'll be 10 years ago this fall i remember i saw our people in our church bringing groceries for together inc and they and it was just such a big thing and people were so into it and i just thought right away i wonder if this church could do a pantry and so the next year we were able to get it started and it's been going ever since and uh, one of the things that we decided is that our pantry is only partly about food but the big thing is it's about relationships it's about caring for people and uh, you know creating an opportunity to love people and be loved by them thank you that's awesome I, and we, we think it's turned out pretty pretty good and that's why we think it's so important to continue this so steve yeah in the past you, we've had some challenges at vps if we hit milestones there would be something that would happen yeah we've had some good ones yeah, I remember one where there was a Sunday built on your head. Oh my, I remember that too. I do too. It looked pretty good. That was cold. Was it? Yeah. It looked it looked delicious. Yeah. <laughs> so this year, since we haven't had donuts for some many Sundays, Repeat and I are challenging you. If we get to fifteen hundred items, we're challenging you and Trish to a donut eating contest. You mean if we get fifteen hundred items for the pantry by the end of the week by thursday that's correct yep. and and then oh and, you know i haven't had donuts in so long i could really get into a challenge like that uh i'll, I'll i think trish and i we are in uh i don't know how many donuts we can eat but uh we're gonna make we're gonna do our best to beat you guys challenge accepted let's do it all right well, I'm, I'm pretty excited about that donut challenge yeah we're pretty excited yeah so keep an eye out for the daily video that's going to come out every day at noon. Daily video is going to include a Bible Buddy video and another song for each day of BBS. Yeah, it'll be posted on the Pete and Repeat Facebook page, the Children's Ministry Facebook page, and it's also going to have a YouTube link that's going to be texted out. Um, we hope to see everybody tonight. There's going to be some Faith Westwood staff here to help greet everybody on the way through. Right. So. While we get prepared and we practice for this donut challenge, we want you guys to enjoy this song, The Train is Bound for Glory. This train is 
Today's scripture is from the book of Job. Then Job replied, Even today my complaint is bitter. His hand is heavy in spite of my groaning. If only I knew where to find him, if only I could go to his dwelling. I would state my case before him and fill my mouth with arguments. I would find out what he would answer me and consider what he would say to me. Why does the Almighty not set times for judgment? Why must those who know him look in vain for such days? There are those who've moved boundary stones and pasture flocks they have stolen. They drive away the orphan's donkey and take the widow's ox in pledge. They thrust the needy from the path and force all the poor of the land into hiding. Like the wild donkeys in the desert, the poor go about their labor of foraging food. The wasteland provides food for their children. They gather fodder in the fields and glean in the vineyards of the wicked. Lacking clothes, they spend the night naked. They have nothing to cover themselves in the cold. They are drenched by the mountain rains and hug the rocks for lack of shelter. And the fatherless child is snatched from the breast. The infant of the poor is seized for a debt. Lacking clothes, they go about naked. They carry the sheaves, but still go hungry. They crush olives among the terraces. They tread the winepress, yet suffer thirst. The groans of the dying rise from the city, and the souls of the wounded cry out for help. But God charges no one for wrongdoing. Before I begin, I want to thank the 318 of you who uh, completed the survey about online and on-site worship. I want you to know I'll be reviewing the findings with the church council this week and then report back to you. Thursday morning, I was part of a Zoom meeting of 19 Omaha pastors, and we were committed to trying to speak together in the face of all of this uh, racial unrest, and then inviting other clergy to speak with us. Anyway, one idea we came up with was to have people from uh, each church here in Omaha and in that metro area gather tonight from 7 to 8 on their own church campuses or wherever, and it's called Stand Together for Racial Justice. Uh, hopefully you received an email about this on Friday, and I'm inviting you to participate with me following the VBS and Pantry event that ends at 7. And I imagine us lining uh, the edge of Oaks Lane in front of our church and maybe along uh, Oaks Park, uh, we have poster board and markers if you want to make a sign, and, and we can wave and bless people who are walking by and driving by. And uh, if you want, you can take a picture and use a hashtag. Uh, one in particular we're promoting is called Stand in Solidarity. And uh, we're going to be, of course, very careful about staying six feet apart from each other as we do that. Well, today is the first Sunday in a two-part series called Objections and Obstacles responding to tough questions about faith. I've always thought that any faith worth having must stand up to scrutiny. I never want to be afraid to challenge it. I, I always want to have the courage to ask any question. And over the years, uh, that has led me to revise some of the things I believe, some of my convictions, and yet not revise others. You can create all kinds of questions using a simple formula which goes like this. If God, then why? If God, then why? For example, if God wants us to believe in him, then why isn't he more obvious? If God is love, then why is there so much hate in the world? 
If God heals some people, then why doesn't he heal everybody? An article in Thursday's edition of the World Herald told of 18-year-old Maria. She says, I was five years old when I found out because I'm black, people look at me differently. She says, I have a brother who is nine years old, and then her voice started to choke. He's like, Mom, why do people hate me? Why can't God just snap his fingers and fix it all? If you were there, Mom, what would you say to that nine-year-old boy and his big sister? Today's question can easily be understood and clearly expressed by a nine-year-old. If God is so good and so powerful, then why doesn't he fix everything? It's the kind of question you know that never goes away. If God is so good and so powerful, then why didn't he stop George Floyd from being killed or James Scurlock from being killed? If God is so good and so powerful, then why doesn't he get rid of cancer and protect us from car crashes? As of Friday, more than 108,000 people have died in the U.S. of COVID-19. Uh, many of them have been older. According to public health specialist Dr. Bob Rahner of Lincoln, on average, those that die of this disease die 10 years sooner than they otherwise would have. And we want to say, if God is so good and so powerful, then why doesn't he stop the coronavirus? You know, one of the things that I love about the Bible it is, is that it doesn't shy away from tough questions. It just jumps into them boldly, recklessly even, even when it threatens the very faith it teaches. All you have to do is open up the Bible to the book of Job. Now, there may have been a real person named Job, we're not sure, who faced multiple calamities, but what we have in the book of Job is a creative piece of poetic theological drama. The prose intro sets the stage with a story about Job's great losses. He loses all his wealth. His servants are all killed in an attack. All ten of his children are at a birthday party when a windstorm comes up and the house collapses and kills them all. To top it off, Job loses his health. He's reduced to, to sitting on an ash heap, scraping his sores with a broken piece of pottery. The only thing that God lets him keep is his complaining wife. Most of the book consists of speeches given by Job and his friends, each one trying to explain Job's suffering. Job's friends take the approach that suffering is always deserved. Job, you must have done something to offend God or this wouldn't have happened. Admit what you've done, or at least admit that you must have done something, must have done something terrible, even if you don't know what it was. Repent, and perhaps God will show mercy on you. Do you have friends like that? I mean, they can be a mixed blessing, can't they? They always have an answer. They always have an explanation or a solution when what they really need to do is just let you know they care. Job's dilemma brings us back to the question, if God is so good and powerful, then why doesn't he fix everything? Job's friends say that God has set up this world so that, that righteousness is always rewarded and evil always brings on punishment. So if someone's suffering, it's their own fault. But Job says, not so fast. The law of reaping and rewarding, uh, the law of reaping what you sow, may be true in a general sense. 
But there are many exceptions, and it's certainly not true, he says, in my case. He says, I was faithful to the Lord. I lived as good a life as anyone here, and better than most. So why have I suffered so much? Do you know any Job's? In the last couple of weeks, three people from Faith Westwood have been diagnosed with COVID-19. Some of you have had friends and loved ones die of COVID. I mean, this is not a hypothetical question. Why doesn't God fix this? The book of Job tells us that it's okay to question God. Have you thought about that? If you think God's been unfair, spill it out. Make your case. That's what Job did. Chapter 23 opens with Job talking about God. If only I knew where to find him. If only I could go to his dwelling. I would state my case before him and fill my mouth with arguments. And then in chapter 24, Job lays out his arguments as if he's bringing a case against God. He accuses God of being slack in his justice. Why does the Almighty not set times for judgment? Why must those who know him look in vain for such days? Job knows that any good judge sets up a schedule, and they'll be in town regularly to hear cases and render verdicts. Why doesn't God do that? Why doesn't he show up periodically and make things right? But he doesn't. So those are the charges against God. And then Job presents evidence. One of the Ten Commandments says, You shall not steal. Deuteronomy 19.14 says, The Lord says, You shall not move your neighbor's landmark. Well, they used stones back then to mark the, the dividing line between one family's property and another. You know, big stones at certain points. Job then presents Exhibit A. There are those who move boundary stones. Not only that, they pasture flocks they have stolen. And ladies and gentlemen of the jury, what's God doing to fix this? Absolutely nothing. Exhibit B. The Israelites are commanded to provide for orphans and widows. Deuteronomy 24 says that if you loan money to someone who's poor, like an orphan or widow, and if, all, if, their, if their collateral is something they need to survive, you're not allowed to keep that collateral until they pay you back. But Job points out that some people are doing just that. When they make a loan, they seize for collateral the work animal of that poor person, the very thing they need to survive. They drive away the orphan's donkey and take the widow's ox in pledge. And what's God doing to fix it? Absolutely nothing. Job goes on giving more evidence. At the end of verse 12, he then summarizes his accusation against God. But God charges no one with wrongdoing. If God were a judge or a governor, we'd throw him out of office. Back in April, someone from Faith Westwood sent me some questions from a friend of theirs who has serious objections about believing in God. Here's the first question. If God is so powerful, why doesn't he just fix what's broken? And I, so I prepared a reply. Here it is. First, I'd like to say how great these questions are. They get right to the point. I do have responses, but in no way do I have it all figured out. And there are people who are much smarter than I who could add a great deal to the conversation. 
If it were just a matter of power, I expect God would have already fixed what's broken. Some have assumed that uh, the reason our world is, is full of suffering and injustice is because God lacks the power to change it. But as one of Jesus' people, it's hard for me to accept that. We look forward to the day when our powerful God will restore creation, including us. That's our confident hope. What reason could God have for waiting then to restore all things? Well, I admit I'm not sure. But I concede that God must be much wiser than I am and has reasons for waiting that I don't know and may not be able to comprehend. But I suspect that it may have something to do with free will. The grand narrative of the Bible is that God created humans with a free will to make our own moral choices, even though it allowed for rebellion against the Creator. Giving us free will was, for some reason, it was important to God. Without it, we would be nothing more than puppets incapable of evil, but also incapable of genuine love. You know, if you want a glimpse of what we would be like without free will, I recommend the movie The Giver, starring Glenn Close and Jeff Bridges. The Bible also says that angels have free will, and some of them rebelled against uh, God and became God's enemies. And all this rebellion uh, from humans and angels has made creation kind of a war zone between God's goodness and the powers of wickedness. I wonder if, if God sees free will as a gift that could not suddenly be withdrawn once it went bad. Let me say that again. Think about this. Maybe God sees free will as a gift that could not suddenly be withdrawn once it went bad. Maybe it required a remedy that includes our free will, instead of eliminating it or overpowering it. Let's call that faith. God offers us grace, a second chance, a new start, a gift that we can receive by faith or not. I would also like to ask you a, you a question. Um, why do we object to suffering and injustice? I mean, if there's no God, if there's no creator, then there's no morality, really. And then where do we get the idea that, that suffering is bad or an action is either just or in, unjust if there's no God? Some Christian thinkers have suggested that our, our human hardwiring for morality, of course it's influenced by our culture, but having this human hardwire for morality is a stamp of our Creator upon our souls. If that's true, then our complaint about the injustice in this world points to the existence of God, a just God. What do you think? Well, that was my reply. The book of Job teaches us that we may not know why the world is the way it is, why there's unfair suffering, but giving up on God's goodness and God's power is not the right direction to go. Jesus taught us to pray for the Father's will to be done. Why? Because so much of what God wants is not happening. So we keep praying, and we keep joining God in His project 
of restoring the world. Job gradually came to see that if all this that all this calamity in his life was kind of like a test. And by keeping true to God's ways, even when there seemed to be no reward in it, he passed the test. Do you know what a, do you know what a crucible is? A crucible is a container in which metals are heated and melted. In ancient times, uh, a crucible was made of clay. Uh, metal may be melted in a crucible as a, as a test to determine what it's made of, to see if it's gold. It also then might be skimmed to make it purer. In chapter 23, verse 10, Job says about God, He knows the way that I take. When he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. You see, the question we need to be asking isn't, what did I do to cause my suffering? The question we need to ask is, how does God want to use my suffering? We ask, how does God walk with me in my suffering? We ask, how is God working for good through this time of suffering? And we ask, how is God bringing justice into this injustice? I want to end the message today by leading us through a time of guided prayer. And during this time, feel free to look out a window or close your eyes or gaze at the image on the screen. Now, let me encourage you to take a deep, slow breath and bring yourself into the presence of God. I'll offer a series of short prayers and then pause between them so you can make these prayers your own. Now, as we go into prayer, picture one of the scenes that you remember in the media recently that reveals the brokenness of our world. Oh God, there are times we've wondered, where are you? Are you aware of what's going on? Do you know the pain people are going through? Hear our lament, O Lord. Dear God, we don't want to quit believing that you are always good and powerful. But sometimes we have doubted you. Show us who you truly are, as revealed in Jesus, not based on the circumstances of our lives. Lord, sometimes we question the wisdom of giving humanity all this free will. Surely you knew how badly this could go. Yet we can't help but thank you for the ability to show love, appreciate beauty, express creativity, all things we couldn't do without free will.
God, how do you want to use my suffering for good? How do you want to use the turmoil of our nation to make us better? Hear the cry of our hearts. May your will be done on earth the way it is in heaven. And all God's people said, Amen. Um, today I invite you to join with us for communion today and uh, throughout this week. Um, and so I invite you, if you have not prepared your communion elements, to pause the video and then bring them back and then restart the video. And uh, also I want you to know that you are invited to communion today um, on uh, June 7th, uh, not uh, because you're a member of our church, but because Jesus is your Lord and Savior. And if you can respond to that, then you are invited to be a part of this communion service. Before Jesus went to the cross, he had a final meal with his disciples, and he had something very important for them to do. And at one point, Jesus took bread, and he lifted it before the Father, and he broke the bread, and he gave it to them, saying, this is my body given for you. And then he took the cup, and he gave thanks. And he gave it to them and said, this is my blood. This is for a new covenant that all may be forgiven. And every time you drink of it, do it in remembrance of me. Now I invite you to join with me in the prayer that Jesus taught us. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. The body of Christ is given for you. The blood of Christ is shed for you. And now during this song, I invite you to serve one another as you see Trisha and I do. And if you are alone, you may serve yourself. Trisha, this is the body of Christ.
and the blood of Christ shed for you. Amen. Shake off. 
off these heavy chains Wipe away every stain Now I'm not who I used to be Oh God, I'm not who I used to be Jesus, I'm not who I used to be I am God this past week, I have witnessed many of you taking a spiritual inventory on how you're doing in your spiritual walk and what th changes that you personally need to make. I want to thank you for that very hard and difficult work, and I want you to know that God sees you and hears you and is just brought, it brings him so much joy knowing that you're doing that work. Don't forget to stop by at faithwestwood.com backslash service. You can give to our 2020 vision. Also, our mission offering for this Sunday is Peace with Justice. Every dollar you give will help communities deal with social justice, with peace and reconciliation. Also, you can fill out a connection card, which has a prayer request opportunity so we can be praying for you. We look forward to wor worshiping with you next week. Stay tuned to hear some of our Faith Westwood family. Hey, Faith Westwood family. We hope everyone's staying safe. We, we miss you. Hi, Faith Westwood, we miss you. Miss being able to see you and shake your hands in the morning. Look forward to seeing you again soon.